Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? This is the Paranormal Search radio show and podcast. Discussing unexplainable events that shape our extraordinary world. Hey, welcome to the program. Before we start a discussion on time travel, one note that I did want to make is that during the discussion, you will hear the voice of Ross Weidler. He is our beloved president of the group who passed away a few months ago. It's always nice to hear his voice. He is introduced as the president of the group, and since his passing, that position has now been taken over by Anthony V. Puglis. A big thank you to everyone who has supported us through these times, and we will continue to record and produce this program. On with the show. This is the Paranormal Search radio show and podcast. My name is Jeremy, and tonight we are talking time travel with Anthony V. Puglis. Anthony is a member of Paranormal Search. His career is in customer service that pays the bills and supports his writing. He is a writer of short stories and poems. You can find a collection of his short stories in a book called All Things Wicked. It is available in all bookstores. And the co-host for this evening will be Ross Weidler. He is the president of the Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania. And we are now handing over the mic to Tony. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's good to be, nice to be on the show again. We're going to do something, something I've wanted to do for the longest time. Uh, one of my favorite subjects is time travel. And uh, is time travel real? Well, let's start with the idea of uh, if time travel is real, how would you define, how would you guys define time? Ross? How do you define time? <laughs> Looking at a clock. There we go. Well, that's close. How about you, Jeremy? I don't know. Um, now, time is paraphrased. If I paraphrase from Webster's definition, uh, Webster's definition is the infinite continued progress of existence and events that occur in apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present to the future. Now, aside from the interpretation from the dictionary, uh, time is referred to as a fourth dimension, along with three spatial dimensions. And scientists like Einstein... Stephen Hawking, Carl Sagan, have all racked their brains with theories and opinions about time. Now, do we exist in a bubble in a much larger pre-existing area of space-time called the multiverse? Or does the notion of past, present, and future represent a subjective idea? Well, a theoretical physicist named Carlo Rovello suggests, uh, as written in his 2018 book, The Order of Time, that chronology and continuity are just a story that we tell ourselves as human beings in order to make sense of our existence. Time's an illusion and just a perspective. It's not really a universal truth at all. It's a point of view. Uh, humans share as a result of our biology and our evolution, uh, our place in the Earth and the planet's place in the universe. And now a stone, for example, is really an event taking place at a rate that we cannot register. The stone is in a continual state of transformation from mountain 
to rock, to sand, to dirt, then inevitably dust. And it's all happening at the same instant with all of us unaware of it. It's all going on around us at the same time. Like Einstein also theorized, the past, present, and future are all equally real, and they're all happening all simultaneously, all at once. Um, there's a scientist that made me titter when I looked at her on uh, Facebook. I, I really laughed at what she had to say, because I kind of agreed with her. Dr. Christy Miller of the Center for Time and the University of Sydney, Australia, uh, she shares a similar opinion to what I have. And she says, you can think of everything that ever did exist, does exist, and will exist, as all somehow being out there all at once in space and time. Dinosaurs are all out in the past, and they're all walking around us at this very minute. We are all doing all present tasks we're doing right now, and the future is also playing out in space-time as well. So all these things are happening right the very instant you, me, and Ross are talking at this at this moment. And uh, I know that might be hard to wrap your head around. It's something that can be very hard. It's very difficult. Let me ask you a question. What got you interested in this? Well, uh, I remember back in the day, uh, years ago, when I first started writing science fiction stories, which is something I was, to me, I'm, I'm, I always wanted to be a scientist when I was a kid. This wasn't smart enough. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, that was one of the vocations I, I had, an idea I had when I was a kid, to be a scientist. And I wondered, uh, there were always some things I wanted to go back and change. If I wanted to go back and change something, like uh, I remember one time uh, I got into a fight with somebody, and uh, I hit this person with a lunchbox. <laughs> and I wish I would have gone back in time and tried to change it and try to come up with a different thing, because the person ended up with stitches. The guy was picking on me, so I hit him with a lunchbox and cut his head open. Um, I was just a kid. But I figured, you know, boy, if I could go back in time and change that, I would, because I really didn't want to hurt somebody. I lost my temper. Um, and, and other events in life, that sometimes you think, uh, boy, if I could always go back and change that, I would, you know. Uh, so you start to think. And when I started hearing about time travel and fiction and, and believing it could possibly be real, it could possibly be something we could do, um, I had uh, made up my mind that uh, that that I was going to delve into it deeper and see what it was all about. And there were, I didn't know there were so many scientists and so many people out there who had the same ideas as I did. So, um, but it just became a fascinating subject in the 1980s with the with movies like Back to the Future, Time Cop, and, and such. Um, time travel was a common theme. And um, it was just something just very interesting finding out that space, as far as Einstein was concerned, that space is actually something fabric, and not something like air, or just space itself. It's something fabric that can be malleable, moldable, and uh, manipulated to the point where we can actually uh, maybe even travel from one point of time in space to one point just by folding space in half, and then going through a hole through, uh, through, the, through the universe. It's a very fascinating subject. You guys got anything else to add before I go any further? Well, you just think of this this way. If we went back in time, JFK would be alive today. Yeah, I thought about that, you know, going back in time, if we can stop the assassination of JFK. But you know what? Sometimes uh, there's a lots of caveats, and we'll get to that later, about uh, going back in time and changing one thing. You may be changing events as you go back into the, past, into the present. Uh, maybe some things will change that are not supposed to change. It's what they call a paradox. But we'll get into that later. 
Um, right now, I want to discuss, first of all, uh, can any of you guys tell me methods of time travel that you're familiar with or ever heard about, either in fiction or factual writings? I think well, doc, Dr. Who had a pretty good way of going about it. <clears throat> right, he traveled in the TARDIS. Yeah. The jump room. Yeah, that's right. There were jump rooms. They were called the military used, mm-hmm. um, which we'll cover that as well. Now, time travel uh, is, uh, de- by definition, is moving between different points in time, and it's been a popular topic for science, for sci-fi, for decades. Now, in fiction, we humans get in a vehicle of some sort. We always jump into something, uh, a DeLorean, a, a, the TARDIS, like in Doctor Who, or some kind of device, and we arrive in the past or future. We're ready to take on new adventures, and each concept has its own methods to travel through time. Uh Time travel, most though, it appears impossible to most people, and it is if you think about it. It's kind of hard to wrap your around your head around. It's been said that humans would not survive an attempt of time travel in the first place if it was real. Uh, but the field is constantly changing, and maybe one day it will be possible. It will be possible. Now, there's different types of methods that you can time travel. It provides general scenarios. There's wormholes and speed of light, which I'm sure you guys heard about. But the equations uh, might be difficult to physically achieve. Uh, one possibly could be uh, to go faster than light, which travels at 186,282 miles per second in a vacuum. Einstein's equations, though, they show that an object at the speed of light would have both infinite mass and length of zero, and you'd be crushed by space, which to him is considered a physical mass, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, wormholes are said to collapse very quickly and would only be suitable for very small particles anyway, not for some of the size of a human being. That technology would need to create an artificial one here on Earth or in space from a ship capable of traveling back and forth in time. And like they show in some TV shows and uh, in some books, you're able to create a wormhole in your bedroom or in your basement and you just get sucked right into it and you're sucked up into the past, if that's possible or not. Uh, but you may be crushed. Indeed, yeah, you could possibly get crushed. Or you might just disappear into a dimension or somewhere, or totally your whole existence would be wiped out completely because our physical mass is not capable of going through time quick, fast enough. Our uh, molecular structure would break down and we'd be lost in time forever. When you talked about uh, a wormhole or whatever into your house or something like that, there's a family called the Eckhart family that had these appear in front of their fireplace and a reptilian comes out. I heard about that. I heard those stories, and I don't know if they're interdimensional travelers or if they're time travelers from another time. Interdimensional travel, uh, alternate world travel, and time travel almost walk hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So they're very similar techniques to each one of those. Um, But speed, very fast speed, is is one way to get there. Going to the speed of light, uh, the more speed you go, the faster you go, the more you can time travel. Gravity is another method, uh, also inspired by Albert Einstein. Uh, his theory of general relativity, relativity, excuse me, the stronger the gravity you feel, the slower the time moves. And as you get closer to the center of the Earth, the strength of gravity increases. Time runs very slow uh, for your feet than for your head. And again, though, this effect has been measured in 2010 physicists at the U.S., National Institute of Standards and Technology, they placed two atomic clocks on shelves, one 33 centimeters above the other, 
and measure the difference in their rate of ticking. The lower one ticks slower because it feels a slightly stronger gravity than the one above it. To travel to the far future, though, all we need is a region of extremely strong gravity, such as a black hole. Uh, the closer you get to the event horizon, the slower time moves. But a warning, guys, caveat, it is a risky business. So if you do cross the boundary, you can never escape once you get sucked up into that black hole. Now, assuming that you had that technology to travel to reach a black hole, the nearest one is about 3,000 light years away. The time dilation through traveling would be far greater than any time dilation through orbiting the black hole itself. And that was described in such films like Interstellar, where one hour on a planet near a black hole is the equivalent of seven years back on Earth. It's so extreme as to be impossible in our universe, according to uh, Kip Thorne, the movie scientific advisor in the film. Now, the most mind-blowing thing, perhaps, is that GPS systems have to account for time dilution effects due to both the speed of the satellites and gravity they feel. In order to work, without these corrections, your phone's GPS systems are the capability would not be able to pinpoint your location on Earth to within even a few kilometers. And we have many other things, uh, black holes, infinite cylinder. Uh, there's something called infinite uh, cylinders. Uh, astronomer Frank Tipler, he proposed a mechanism known as a Tipler cylinder. Uh, you'd have to take matter, which is 10 times the sun's mass, and roll it in a very long but very dense cylinder. You would sign up to a few billion revolutions per minute next to a nearby spaceship, following a very precise spiral around the cylinder, and then you could get itself on a closed time-like curve, according to the Anderson Institute located in California, That, however. Now, the method does have limits, and the cylinder would have to be infinitely long uh, for this to work. So as far as infinite cylinders uh, helping with time travel, uh, we'll just let that one go. Black holes, of course. Uh, we'll go back to those. It would be uh, uh, possi one possibility would be to move a ship. If you had a ship, you can move it rapidly around a black hole or to artificially create one with a huge rotating structure, which some people claim they can do in their homes and stuff. Uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, he once wrote that you'd go round and around, you'd experience half of the time of everyone far away from the black hole. If you circled the hole for five uh, of their years, 10 years would pass elsewhere. When they got home, everyone on Earth would have aged five years more than the ship's crew. However, the crew would need to travel around the speed of light for this to work. The most popular one we all know about, we all love, is time machines. Uh, time machine research often involves bending space-time so far that uh, timelines turn back on themselves <coughs> to form a loop. Uh, technically known as a closed time-like uh, curve. In order to accomplish this, the machine would need an exotic form of matter uh, with negative energy density, and I'm putting those in quotation marks, because such exotic matter has very bizarre properties, including moving in the opposite direction of normal matter when pushed. Such matter theoretically exists, and if it did, it might be present only in quantities too small for the construction of the time machine. Time travel research also suggests that time machines are possible without uh, without exotic matter. But to go back in time, a traveler would race around inside a donut-shaped hole created within. He'd have to go farther back into the past with each lap. 
and this theory also has a number of obstacles. The gravitational fields that are required to make such a closed time-like curve would have to be very, very strong, and manipulating them would have to be very precise. It may be possible to create a machine which will remove gravity from a small room and break down the traveler's molecular structure to the most intricate of atoms, uh, enabling to be propelled into the past or future. But of course, it's only theoretical with the prospect of death, so we don't know if we really want to try most of that, or if that's even possible this time. One other way, and if you think lost in space, for example, uh, is uh, this is one way we may be able to go back and we may be able to travel the future. Uh, scientists know we can travel back in time. We can actually go into the future. If I take a spaceship, if I'm in a spaceship and I get I get shot up into in the space, um, and I, I let's say I get to the far reaches of our galaxy, and it might take me about four or five weeks. But by the time I get back to Earth, 50 years would have passed on Earth. So time on Earth is different than time on space, because time, gentlemen, does not really exist. So it's, it's all in our heads. And like I said earlier, many scientists have already described how that's possible, or described why that's possible. Uh, one other way we could do this, uh, to go traveling into the future, it would be suspended animation. You slow your perception of time by slowing down the body or stopping your bodily processes and then restarting them later. Okay. Stopping your metabolism. That's far beyond our current technology. Slow the down. Right. You slow everything would slow down your everything. You would hibernate through just like animals that hibernate through the winter time and awake in the spring. But the question is, could humans do the same? You know, and being able to stop our metabolism is far beyond what we can do these days technologically. Scientists are working towards that, though, to create a, to induce a short-term hibernation that would last a few hours. This might just be enough to get a person through a medical emergency, uh, like a cardiac arrest, before they reach the hospital, before, you know, so they don't die. Um, American scientists in 2005 experimented with mice to slow their metabolisms. They exposed them to small dosages of hydrogen sulfide which binds to cell receptors in the body, like oxygen. The core body temperature of the mice dropped to 13 degrees Celsius, and their metabolism decreased tenfold. After six hours, the mice could be reanimated with no ill effects. So that's something to think about there. Sheep and pigs, however, it wasn't very successful with those. So the method might not work for larger animals like sheep, pigs, and ourselves. Um, Another would be hypothermic hibernation by replacing the blood with cold saline solution. This has worked on pigs and was underdoing or undergoing human clinical trials in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, also, freezing the body using cryogenic technology would work, but there's a chance the traveler would not survive the freezing process. So, there's time crystals. Uh, these are highly classified research that's being carried out by the Pentagon. DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Um, this newly discovered state of matter called time crystals uh, has been given this research saying that these crystals are under the project codename of driven and non-equilibrium quantum systems. The term time crystals has long been associated with science fiction now, but in reality, the crystals are unlikely to hold the key to time travel, but 
instead may trigger major breakthroughs in new forms of uh, quantum computers and other technologies like atomic clocks, which work with GPS precision, even in GPS-denied environments. Now, we're going to talk about some other methods here. Uh, well, let's uh, field any questions you guys might have first on any subject or anything, any questions you might have. Yeah, my question is, what the <laughs> are you talking about? Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, I look at these things, I read these things, and I say, oh, my God. I mean, this does go over your head. It really does. Mm-hmm. But the more I learn about it, um, I, you know, I find a more interest in it, and the more research I do. Um, we've heard many things in fiction about interstellar, uh, the tesseracts <laughs> using geometricals, uh, shapes. It's a four-dimensional analog of a cube. Um, and using, uh, in the movie, the astronauts can travel because the vessel that represents time is a dimension of space more than a gyroscope does. Similar concept is expressed in uh, a couple books. Uh, there's a, mo- a book called A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, by Madeline Lee Engel. Uh, time is folded by means of a tesseract, by this type of uh, geometrical shape. And, uh, however, though, the book also uses supernatural beings to make this traveling possible. And I show a picture of it here, too. Doctor Who, of course, we talked earlier, uses the TARDIS. The time and relative dimension in space is what TARDIS means. Uh, the device uses extra-dimensional vortex to go through time, while the travelers inside feel time passing quite normally. Uh, which is what we're trying to achieve, or what scientists think they may be able to achieve one day. Uh, within that TARDIS, though, the interior is massive in relation to the exterior phone booth, and it almost sounds like a lot of like UFO uh, sightings in which people claim that they've gone inside small UFOs, but the rooms within seem larger than life than what the outside was. And we talk about H.G. Wells, the time travel, the time machine, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, and Mr. Peabody's Wayback Machine from Rocky and Bullwinkle Show. Oh, man. <laughs> Why did yeah. I not think of that? Yeah. The time travel, they called it the Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, there, Harry Potter, she had a small watch that she was able to manipulate time going back and forth. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Hermione Granger, the character from the Harry Potter movies. I believe in the third one, The Prisoner of Azkaban, she had a little watch that would allow her to be able to go backward in time and makes the class on time and stuff like that. So when it comes um, to Hollywood movies and stories, for the most part, they're talking about time as a linear fashion and it's kind of like hitting the rewind button and you're able to go back a few years, like as seen as Back to the Future, yeah. or to go forward. But if all time is happening continuously at the same time, is that where wormholes come in where you can kind of jump from one dimension to another? Well, it's said that no matter what method you use, past, present, and future are always like right now, this very minute. There are things happening around us that we can't see as human beings because we're, we live in a physical plane. Like right now, this very minute, dinosaurs are walking the earth. There is no past. There is no future. There is no present. Everything, it's all happening at one time. But because we're, we're bound by our flesh and by uh, physical things, everything in this room right now is 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 being created, is being broken down and destroyed, and is being recreated again in a different method. Uh, like a mountain, for example, when I discovered earlier, a mountain can be broken down into, uh, is broken down into uh, rock, and then broken down into sand, and broken down into dirt. And uh, we're seeing the, the birth 
the death and the reconstruction of a mountain, um, uh, human beings are only seeing the actual thing. It's so it's really hard to really describe um, how this is, but I, I kind of think I understand what some of these scientists are meaning, uh, especially uh, Einstein and, and Ravello when they talk about that. When I look in front of my desk right now, I'm thinking that right, uh, I can actually picture this desk eventually warping and falling apart uh, as years from now. But time makes things wear down. Time, it's time that causes you to have to buy a new car all the time. It's, like, it's time that wears out appliances that we use. But it, does time really exist? I mean, how long does a car really last? Does it really last uh, 12 to, to 20 years? Or is that only in our concept of time? Right. You know, how, how, uh, how long does a human being live? Does a human being really live 60 years, or does it only seem like 60 years to us? I mean, if you look at the pets that we've all had, all of my pets, I've outlived every one of these pets. Time to them is different than it is to us. What's like, what do they say, like uh, seven years to a dog is like uh, 60 years to us or something like that? Yeah. Um, seven, the yeah. dog doesn't know time. The dog doesn't understand time. The dog only knows that it's born, it lives, and then suddenly it dies, and we don't know what happens to it after it's dead. And we're still walking around. Our physical is walking around. But, but this is very very difficult subject to wrap yourself around it unless you unless you really it is really hard to con conceive at that time if it's not real then what is really going on around us uh, what's really happening to us um, we judge everything by a clock we, you know the, when we go to work uh, when we uh, when, when we go to a party and we enjoy ourselves if you've ever noticed that time seems to fly when you're having fun that old expression that is very true. The interesting thing is when yeah. you shoot a rocket up in space on a mission, you have a clock that says the time, too. Yeah, and sometimes it's off by a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's sitting on the ground. Right. In the time on a mission. And yeah. it keep, keeps that going until they come back. And it takes a lot for them to try to, uh, to correlate the time and space on their rockets because... The uh, the higher uh, the higher altitude you are, and so why you know for example why uh, is it like seven o'clock right now it's seven forty eight p.m. here in Pennsylvania, why is it only like uh, like five or something or five forty eight in California, you know or why is it uh, different why is it uh, already morning uh, halfway across the world, so uh, it's timing zones are different everywhere. I think it depends on the sun and the moon to make it work that way. Well, see, that's the whole thing. But uh, the thing is that time uh, doesn't follow rules. We try to uh, put it in a little box. We try to tie it with a ribbon. And, uh, okay, this, as far as we're concerned here right now, it's 7.48 p.m., but somewhere around the world it's morning. And somewhere else it's only like 5 o'clock in the afternoon or someplace else. Uh, it's, the people are, are, are going to work right now very early in the morning and other people are going to bed so we can't actually take the take something like time and put it in a box in other words the world keeps going no matter what it goes on no matter what and uh, is it just a human concept uh, which many scientists are theorizing it is and I, I believe it is I don't believe it's real I don't or time I mean time if you leave time 
past, present, and future are not um, are not relative to just one constant. It's a subjective constant, and I think you did agree with me there too, Jeremy, didn't you? Yeah. On that issue. Now, I was going to say, yeah. and I, you mentioned this earlier, as time is a human construct, and right. according to our culture, we abide by this construct where time to us is linear, always moving in one direction, and but it's up to the person whether or not time for them is going fast some days or slower some days. There, well, our perception varies on what time is, even though we're already still in a constructed framework of time. Well, we all have to agree on we all have to agree on uh, what is real, even though we know there's lots of things. I th- I'm pretty sure that many of us on the, in this world. We know what's real and what isn't. We know that when the moment we're born. We know that the moment we we start to grow and we start to uh, learn to talk and think for ourselves, that we know that deep down inside us, we know that, that what's around us, it, there's more to this. I've all, and I've always said uh, that people don't live in the world they think they do. I've always said that. And it's like we don't live in the world we think we do. The, t- the time is not something uh, we, we try to put in a little box. But we all have to agree, since we all have to have jobs and we all have to survive. We're all creatures of physical, we're physical beings that need to eat. We're physical beings that need to sleep. We need to work to make a living, to live, and uh, because that, that's what we do. We struggle, uh, we survive, and we have to have some kind of order. So we have put time in the manner of uh, a box with hands and numbers and gears and counting down the minutes of the day. I know sometimes when I'm at work, uh, when I, you know, when I wasn't working at home before, when I was at work, uh, the day would just drag and drag and drag. But I know if I was somewhere I wanted to be, like a party or a celebration, the time would fly by like only two hours when, when actually in reality seven hours have passed. And I'm like, oh my God! Because you're preoccupied. You're preoccupied. Yeah. So that tells you right there when you when you out, when you uh, walk outside of your your human boundaries of thought and your human boundaries of what you know and what you believe, you're suddenly thrust into um, something else. You're saying, boy, I can't believe that seven hours have passed. I you know, that, that's that one part of your your human psyche that says within yourself. Um, Maybe time really isn't real. You know, I've had those things. I've had things like that happen. But when you think about it, when you when you reach down deep within that human part of yourself that that's annoyed that you have to sit at work for seven hours, then seven hours feel like seven freaking days sometimes. I'll tell you. And uh, but because you're thinking about it. But when you're at a party, you're having fun. You're doing something fun. And things just fly right by because you're not thinking about leaving. You're thinking about living for the moment. But does the moment really exist? It flies by quickly. Um, you can smash your head against the wall thinking about this stuff all the time and trying to figure out uh, how this works. But we have to have, uh, us being human beings, we have to have some kind of order in the world. Uh, somehow we've been put, uh, you know, we, we basically have been taught, we're taught what to believe, we're taught what to what to know, uh, what we're supposed to know. We're educated to help us survive in the world that we live in based on on uh, how humans live and the way that it's told that we're supposed to live. And I think uh, learning about time and living 
amongst time and setting your alarm clock to go to work at one minute, going to bed at a certain time, eating at a certain time. This is what we're conditioned to do. So part of most of what we believe about time, I think, is, is human conditioning. And uh, it helps human beings make sense of our, our, the world that we live in. We really know nothing about the universe we live in, let alone the planet that we survive on, that we live in now. We know nothing about it, really. Only what we're, grown, what we're taught to believe. And time is one of those things. Here's an example. <clears throat> you take an eclipse where it blocks out the sun during the day. What do animals do? They get ready to go to bed because it got dark. Right, because that's the conditioning, because they think it's night. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, in a way, do the same thing. I mean, I know I get more tired in the wintertime than I do in the spring and summer because it gets dark very quickly. And I can tell you that right after work, I'm sitting on the couch after I eat, and I'm already out cold on that couch sleeping because it's already getting dark, and my body says time to sleep. Well, in the spring and summer, uh, I rarely ever take naps or sleep at all. It's, it's, it stays daylight. Here in Pennsylvania, it stays daylight till 8 p.m. Um, and I hate daylight savings time. I just, just leave it. I want it, please. Uh, but still, sometimes daylight savings time still catches up. Now, here's an interesting question that was also given to me one time. How to answer that question is, just because the sun comes up, the sun goes down. Could we still be the same day all the time? Well, that's what we're saying. There is no such thing as days and time. They don't yeah. exist. We've created these things to structure our lives around. Uh, there's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday till Sunday. And then there's, a, there's, a, there's 24 hours to a day. You know, and there, there are 60 minutes to an hour. We structured all of this so we could survive. What would happen if we didn't? Back in the old days... Uh, back in the days of the, the, the Grecians and, uh, and other civilizations used things like, like uh, sundials where they would place a rod in the ground and the shadows uh, flying around uh, would tell them uh, what part of the day it is. But all it really told them is whether it was, uh, you know, when the sun was going to go down. They knew when the sun was going down that, uh, that it was time to, you know, eat or maybe even later go to bed when it started to really get dark. They knew when the sun came up, and they saw the shadow of, of reaching a certain part. Um, the sun always rises in the east and always sets in the west. So they've known from that time period that when the sun rises in the east, they know it's time to get started with their day, or however they measure that day, and they know when the sun goes down, it's time to, to do whatever they need to do for that time period. So we structure everything around some kind of device or some kind of machine that helps us understand our uh, how how we would structure our um, lifestyle as human beings, and a lot of that has changed over the thousands of years that we've been here. But uh, did we ever think about it that way, though? No matter whether the sun rises, sunset, it's always the same day. I'm pretty sure there probably were a lot of cultures that believe that. And there were many that. How can that change? There's lots of theory. Uh, don't forget about all those theories about the. Uh, and some of the things that were found in some of these uh, civilizations where they believed that they were able, able to go through time doors and travel through time or through other dimensions or alternate worlds. Um, and not only does the Earth maybe uh, past, present, and future, but we also have many different realities. There may be a reality in which we never won World War II. There could be a reality out there in which uh, maybe uh, right now we're all worshiping, we're all like bowing down the swastikas 
Maybe the Germans won the war. Maybe the the uh, twin towers were never destroyed in 9/11. Uh, some other device, something. Maybe there's. We never used airplanes as a means of transportation because they were dangerous. We determined in this other reality that they're we're using blimps and balloons for 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 traveling from one place to the other. Um, so all of that, all these things do fall into those same categories. Almost certainly, um, it's like a tangle. It's like a pot of spaghetti. There's just so many possibilities. Well, think of it as you would talk about 9-11. People go down there and they can stick their hand out and they feel energy. Yeah. That's really weird. Well, there's energy all around us. Uh, any of you guys familiar with string theory? Who? This is a common theme in the comedy show uh, Big Bang Theory, where Sheldon, uh, the... I guess I, I guess I, I call him an Asperger's genius because that's what he reminds me. It's like he has Asperger's or something. But that guy, uh, uh, it was always talking about string theory and always coming up with new theories. But the whole idea of string theory is uh, when you break uh, when you break something solid down to its most purest form, what you get after you break down all the atoms, all the uh, neutrons, all the protons, you break those atoms down to their smallest uh, uh, molecules, down to the smallest denominator. All they, all everything solid is, including us, is a series of little electrical dancing strings that are rounded and dance around. They don't know time at all. There is no time. Those little magical dancing strings just bounce around. They don't form anything. They don't do anything. They don't follow the concepts of time. They don't follow the concepts of space. However, they are they are part of the molecules that create the atoms that create physical everything that we have in front of us. This, this, my table, this computer, that bed, my body, that piece of glass over there, everything around us is made up of all these molecules. But you break them all down, and they're nothing more uh, than just dancing little electrical strings. And they've been happening, and they're happening now. They've been happening before, and they're going to be happening for a very long time. Uh, and no matter uh, even what happens to the Earth, whatever occurs to this planet or the planets around us, everything is made up of, of these dancing little strings. If you break everything down to it. Um, of course, a lot of this is theoretical, uh, but um, they don't, they don't uh, subscribe to the concept of time. Atoms and molecules don't really subscribe to the uh, concept of time. Um, and if you also see that uh, if, if you see how much things change. Everything that we build, no matter what we build in this world, no matter how we try to cover it up with as much cement and roads and uh, automobiles as possible, nature will always take over. And uh, time is different to nature as it is with plants and trees. These are never, we never really think of those things as living things. We don't think of the earth as a living thing, but they are living things. They're just on a different time zone than we are. They're a different type of living thing. They can think uh, just like we can, and in some cases they can register pain uh, by giving off uh, odors. Uh, like when you mow the, you ever wonder why your your grass uh, takes on an odor when you mow it? What it's doing is it's releasing chemicals, uh, indicating that it's in distress. You're shaving down grass with some kind of blade stuff that is actually destroying it. It looks good to us. Hey, what a great lawn, Jim. Yeah, thanks a lot. But after we sh- we you know, we, we break that down. The grass, the reason we get that smell after we, that, that fresh smell of cut grass is because the grass knows it's in trouble. 
and it releases chemicals. That can be uh, construed as pain. But not to get uh, too far out of that subject, but... Uh, but there's we, uh, no do, uh, time in the space. There's no time, as far as we know, there's no real time anywhere at all. We only feel time, space, uh, past, present, and future, no matter where it is in space, on Earth, on any other planet, is all, uh, it's all relative. It's all the same. It's all subjective. There is no such thing as time. It doesn't exist. Nope. And Jeremy, you're awfully quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking. Thinking as well with the lunar cycles and the waxing and waning. This might have yeah. given to some, I mean, it did give to our early calendars, and I'm wondering if that event has taken into the form of a standardization of time as we know it. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm absolutely sure. Um, those, uh, the, the, uh, the phases of the moon, uh, the sun rising and setting, the revolutions of the Earth, uh, the planets' revolutions around the sun, the Earth's—you uh, know—everything that's everything that's set into motion is set into motion for our benefit. Well, you know, the moon affects the ocean. Yeah, the moon affects the ocean. The moon phases affect us, even human, some human beings, because we are made up of, uh, of some water. So we are—we are made up of water, and yes, the moon—the uh, moon can affect our moods, definitely. And uh, like you were saying, Jeremy, all of these things are created uh, either by, uh, somehow, by, if you believe in the higher being, you know, if God created all these things, and all these things that we live with on the earth here that, that help us, um, we have the sun that warms us, we have the oceans that uh, the sun uh, and the moon um, affects those, the water in, on the earth. We have the land. Everything that we need is here. Everything that we have is, is set into motion for ourselves. But do any of these things really exist? These things are put here uh, for us. It's like uh, dangling a, a catnip mouse in front of a cat. Is the mouse real? The cat might think it is. Uh, if it has fur on it, it looks like a mouse. Uh, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. Well, not, not always. not always. In this case, with time, and, and and relative relativity in time, it isn't. And I would really love to interview a, a scientist in regards to this and see a lot of what they believe instead of just reading it in books and stuff. That's very interesting. This concept. If you want to talk about time, do it at the clock. We can look it up. Okay. Well, I come up with Christian Hugens. Who? A, a Christian or Christiane Hugens, H-U-Y-G-E-N-S. He's credited as the inventor of the clock. He determined the mathematical formula related to pendulum length to time, which was about 99.4 centimeters or 39.1 inches from one-second movement. He created the first pendulum-driven clock ever made. And this history of time-keeping devices, don't forget about the hourglass. Yeah. Okay. We've had the hourglass as a way to keep time. I have several here around me. Um, and I've got one right here. So right now, let me turn that upside down. I love time pieces. I love collecting. Sometimes I'll collect clocks and I'll, I'll, I'll have them sitting around. I collect uh, several different types of hourglasses. I have several around me. And 
and right now we're looking at 8.06 p.m. Now, by now that by the time 9 o'clock comes, that whole thing, an hour has passed so far in this conversation, and look how fast it has passed. Now, if I was sitting at my desk at work, I'd be probably, uh, it, that time would just drag. It would be completely dragging. Uh, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but when you're at work, does time drag for you, or do you like your job that much where you kind of see it, it doesn't? Well, I sleep through most of the day, so it goes by pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Serious? So what does... Um... That too. Very, very delicate. Figure that one out. I <laughs> have a water clock. Um, and there are all kinds of different ancient timekeeping devices, candle clocks, um, with the Jap- which they used in ancient Japan and England. Time sticks, they call them, Persian, Indian, and Tibet. The hourglass, which functioned very similar to the water clock, uh, that keeps track of elapsed time, and it was one of the earliest timekeeping devices, and has become a symbol of the concept of time for for generations to come. Now, the earliest known clock clock is water powered escapement mechanism, which transferred uh, rotational energy in the intermittent motion. That dates back to third century BC, from ancient Greece. Here, hold on for one second. I'll be right back. Okay. If we wouldn't have time, we wouldn't know when to do this show. That's right. You know, like I said, we all have to be. We all have to put our lives in order. Like, uh, how would we know? What, uh, we have to. We have to make a determination as to what time on a face clock we have to be somewhere to go to work. Every some people have to go to work at five in the morning. They got to know uh, when to get up so they can be ready by five in the morning, so they're at working at their desks or at their jobs or their construction sites or whatever they do or what have you. But yeah, we all have to be in agreement as human beings because everything is set forward for us. And uh, because human beings do have some ingenuity, we were able to create clocks and we're able to to make our lives a lot easier by being able to know when to leave the house, when to come home, when to go to bed, when to eat. Um, uh, which a lot of people think that we're, uh, there are many people out there who would argue that we're slaves to time, but we have to be because we, we don't have any real concept of what time really is. So we have to structure it as human beings the way we would structure it. So when, uh, witnesses will say they see such things as dinosaurs or even traveling, uh, unidentified flying objects, are they perhaps seeing something from another time? That's a very good question. In fact, I've always believed that. I've always believed that theory, that if I'm sitting here right now and a Tyrannosaurus Rex walks right through me, or something, or maybe some flies, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, not that I'm going to sit here for very long, <laughs> right, Ross? We're going the other way. But if that would happen, uh, Let's say a speeding train came suddenly speeding through here. Now, many people might take that as being a ghost experience. And some people might also take it as, a, as an ancient memory or an old memory being played back like a loop, like a video loop. But I think that it's possible that just for one second, just for one brief second, I somehow traveled through some kind of, I stepped through some kind of, some kind of rift in time where I was able to see a train that was passing through here. Maybe perhaps 100 years ago there was a train track through this entire area where I now live, and there may have been trains going through here. Just for that one moment in time, I was able to see 
a train that actually existed hundreds of years ago. But to the train, it was all happening right now. To the train, it was it was already a hundred years ago. And maybe the passenger on the train may have saw me and wondered, who's this? Who's this? Uh, uh, did you see that guy with that strange device in his hand, which would have been my phone or whatever? You know, did you see that? And uh, maybe back at that time period, they're probably writing articles about the mysterious spaceman with the mysterious thing in his hand being seen while on a train. And uh, uh, there have been many uh, stories about uh, people who have actually turned corners in places. Like I think there's a city in England where if you turn a corner, people claim that they, they turned a corner. And all of a sudden, all the cars are gone. All the ancient, all the new buildings are gone, and there's people running around with like wearing like Victorian-like clothing, and they're traveling with uh, horses and buggies, and uh, and they look really out of place around these people. And and then when they turn another corner, everything's back to normal. Everything's modern again. So I do believe that we do sometimes maybe do travel through. There are certain times that the time might rip. Uh, we might be able to walk through time. I do believe a lot of incidents that happen in Gettysburg are not because of ghosts, but because of rips in time, ripples in time. That if you go through, uh, I, I'm walking down, I'm driving through the field, and suddenly all these soldiers are fighting around me. You know, and they're probably wondering what the hell I'm doing in the middle of the field with this giant device running, rolling around, and maybe I might end up in a, a newspaper uh, from back in that time period saying there was a an unusual incident happened on the battlefield while these men were fighting. And at the same time, we're writing articles about seeing soldiers on a battlefield that took place uh, 200 years or more than 200 years ago. So what you said is, is has been, is known, and is quite possible. But it might be happening well, all the time. I'm sorry, what did you say, Jeremy? I was going to say, like, things like that might be happening around us all the time, and it's because we're perceiving it is what, is what makes it real. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people, uh, I, I think, I read a woman one time, um, she used to, she lives on a, a piece of land that used to be owned by, or used to be inhabited by Native Americans. Every once in a while, she kept seeing Native Americans walking around, you know, the way they used to dress, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago when they were alive. Right. With the feather headset or the feathered, uh, um, the, the feather uh, feathery uh, headdresses and uh, the staved uh, with the loincloths and all that stuff, and they're walking around with bows and arrows, and uh, and then suddenly they would just vanish, like they were never there. So she don't know if she was seeing ghosts or she was perhaps maybe stepped through some ripple in time in which she was actually seeing the past. Maybe that's you know, what ghosts really are. They're the type that couldn't reach the light, too, that are stuck on Earth. Yeah, they could be ghosts, but in other, you know, other cases, they could be, uh, yeah. it could be something else. Like, what do we really see? Um, there are stories about uh, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln still being seen in the White House, taking off his shoes, sitting at the end of the bed, taking off bedroom. his shoes. Yeah, in the, in the, in the Lincoln bedroom. Yeah. And then people are screaming, ah, Lincoln's in the bedroom. This actually happened um, to a woman. She saw this. Now, was she seeing his ghost or was she seeing some kind of uh, opening in time in which part of the past shared itself with part of the, the present? And somehow, it just intermingled. 
the stories, if you read a lot of stories in Gettysburg, there's lots of weird things that go on down there. A lot there of ghosts. Where people walk into people's homes looking like Confederate soldiers, and they're asking for water, or they're asking for a place to sleep, and then the homeowners maybe turn their head for a second, and that individual is gone. And they can't explain, is that a ghost, or is that a ripple in time, or is that something, you know, some kind of time issue? Right, but that Confederate figure is noticing and conversing with someone of this time. That's right. But but don't you so think... They're converging. Yeah, and but the if but the consciousness of the Confederate soldier would don't you think they would realize that something's out of place here? I'm sure he does. But see, in his own world, you have to understand that uh, we're thinking something's out of place too, right. and uh, we're looking at him. He's probably looking at us the same way. I don't know who these people are in this house, but I need water and a place to sleep. You know, he knows things are off. He doesn't realize how bad things are off because somehow he stepped through a time door or he really is a ghost. But it could be possible he's probably just he could be some kind of a accidental time traveler. That time travel can be achieved without machinery sometimes. It just happens. People always claim to have some very strange things. Um, there was a mummy found one time in some, I don't know if it was in Egypt or or somewhere in the Middle East that this mummy was wearing normal clothes, like a, like people, modern people do. And it was wearing what looks to be Nike sneakers or, or Adidas sneakers. And um, this mummy was thousands of years old. So where did it get sneakers and uh, modern-day clothing? By mummy, are you uh, talking about wearing wraps? It, was, uh, it wasn't mummified in the same care and fashion as any other, like, King Tut would have been or something like that, like some of the others, or Ramses, or King Ramses, or any of the other mummies of the time that we found. This thing seemed to be haphazardly wrapped and mummified, and then just, uh, and, 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 that's, and, you know, it wasn't, they didn't take a lot of care with it as they did. It's almost as if wherever that person came from didn't belong there. It was either murdered or maybe died there, and they really didn't know what to do with it. So, yeah, it was carelessly mummified. It wasn't mummified like you normally see. So he was wearing yeah. Air Jordan. <laughs> it was wearing, I don't know if it was Air Jordan. I was wearing some kind of weird sneaker that looked very much like Adidas or Nike. Well, how about the uh, alien shopping in Boston? A, a gray shopping in Boston, trying on coats and stuff. Yeah, but, it was seen by a man, a woman, and her son. Yeah, that incident though really didn't have anything to do with time or time travel. But they were trying to say that, that that person had some kind of disease that made him look like an alien. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, they found things in the past, Jeremy, like um, embedded in this uh, very old ancient rock was what looks to be one of those old flip cell phones. Oh, okay, interesting. They've also found a small, very tiny Swiss watch. That was uh, was found among some ruins that were over were thousands of years old, and it was a real tiny thing. You could wear like a ring. That thing was that you know it was a watch, a really small uh, type of Swiss watch you could wear on your finger that women would wear on their fingers. Uh, they couldn't figure out where this thing came from, and uh, they aged it to be almost as, as old, not, not to be as old as this as this stuff, but 
Um, they couldn't understand what it was doing among uh, ancient ruins. Uh, yeah, you can look up a lot of I mean, there's all kinds of stories and things they found, all these things. Uh, shoes, uh, footprints of, of uh, what looks to be sneaker prints, and uh, ancient ground, that hardened ground, and they can't figure out where that came from because uh, people didn't wear sneakers uh, thousands of years ago. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other things that they were saying. Uh, and, of course, you've seen those uh, pictures of people that uh, carrying cell phones around, like in the 1950s. It looks like they're carrying cell phones and talking into them. Yeah, right. And things like that, yeah. Uh, and uh, then there's this gentleman standing amongst uh, a lot of people in a crowd who seems to be out of place because he's wearing a hoodie, uh, a type of a T-shirt they only wear these days. Uh, his hair is cut sort of like somebody would wear nowadays. And uh, his sunglasses were uh, a type that were not uh, actually um, available at that time period, but he's standing among all these people. And he's holding a camera that's around his neck that uh, at the time did not exist. Um, so are these people really time travelers? There's, there's lots of beliefs about uh, the, that a lot of actors are time travelers, that they live in the past because people have found pictures of them uh, that looked very much like actors like Matthew McConaughey, uh, John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, uh, all of which all fought in the Civil War and somehow uh, ended up in our plane of existence here in our time. Um, of course, these are just these are fun little theories to think about. I'm not saying I believe that, but um, right. But are the theories the saying thing. that they're exactly the same person? They're they're. I think trying to say that I have several pictures of these actors and comparing them with pictures of people from the past, including Jay-Z, uh, Johnny Depp, who we found out later that person was Johnny Depp's grandfather, but he oh. looks just like Johnny Depp looks now. But uh, there, there's a picture of J uh, what looks to be Oma, uh, uh, Obama, uh, Barack Obama, as he looked, uh, as he could have looked. Uh, this person was wearing a top hat and tails and had a cane. And if you look real close, he does kind of look like Barack Obama, but I think there's a, a there's a slight difference there. Now, like I said, I don't know if I believe those, but I think they're fun things to think about and uh, kind of compare the pictures. Um, who's the actress that started the movie? Uh, oh, what was that movie? She was in Divergent, I think it was. Hmm, I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But anyway, they have a picture of a, of a woman um uh, who lived, I believe, around in the 1930s or 40s that looks exactly like she looks today. And they put the pictures close together. And if you're familiar with the uh, cli uh, climate activist uh, Greta Thunberg, there's even a picture of her, that, a picture of a person from the past that lived during the pioneer days that looks exactly like Greta Thunberg looks now. And people are always trying to say that they're, you know, time travelers, that they're living these days, and they're living in the world among us. It makes for great fiction stories if you want to write fiction on it. Whether it's real or not, well, that's, uh, that's, that's up to debate. And when we have and things, when you're mentioning about time pieces being found at um, ancient sites, yeah. or among um, the surroundings of stone that were dated so much older than the timepiece itself... It, often at yeah, times here in in our realm, you will have things that just disappear, 
and we cannot find them at all. Sort of like where does yeah, where does all the left socks go? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Because we used to make jokes about cigarette lighters and socks have some somewhere in some in some dimension. There's piles of of cigarette lighters and socks because those things always disappear. Right. <laughs> and so you, yeah, you know what? That's possible. Maybe something that when it vanishes, maybe it goes through some kind of dimensional door. If you ever lose something, you never find it again. You don't know what happened to it. So it might not. Sometimes it goes up in a weird place. Right, and it's not going back in time at, in a linear sense. It's just yeah. going to another spot in time where time at that time is actually in the quote-unquote past. That's possible. Maybe somebody in that exact place where they where they found that dropped that thing and disappeared. They never found it, and somehow it ended up in the past. That is very possible. Very good. That's that's really something to think about. Yeah, that's quite possible. So what's it all mean? Like, well, uh, how do we go about this in our day-to-day life when it comes to thinking of time, managing time, making it work for us in a sense? Do you have any tips on that? Actually, no. I think a lot of what scientists are trying to work on now. Uh, there's a scientist now named uh, Dr. Mallet um, who's trying to work on something that has to do with time travel. Um, Dr. Ronald Mallet, are you familiar with him? You can check him out on BBC News. He's an American physicist. Uh, he has this idea. He wanted, He's using a rotating cylinder of light to twist space and time, which is another way, by the way, to, uh, that's believed to manipulate time by twisting light and space and time all at one time. Um, he's also thinking about using mirrors, lasers, uh, anything dropped inside a swirling cylinder could theoretically be dragged around in space and time in a similar way to how a bubble runs around on your coffee in your coffee after you swirl it with a spoon. But like you were saying about something falling on the floor and you lose it, um, I'm wondering if maybe uh, the very action, let's say you turn your body a certain way and you create some kind of a vortex, and then you drop something, and that disappears in the vortex and goes away and disappears. Maybe all along we have the secret to time travel or to finding other dimensional doorways or time doors or opening up time doors, and we're not aware of it. Uh, but uh, he's, he's talking about, you know, dropping something inside the cylinder, and it, can, and it can be dragged around in space and time, so it's possible. Maybe we do this with objects every day and don't even realize it. Is it possible these things are traveling in time on their own without our help? Is it possible we can do the same thing? Oh no. Well, Dr. Mallet thinks so. Thank you for joining us this episode. If you would like to attend our monthly meetings, you may do so by visiting the Lower Paxton Municipal Building in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We meet the second Wednesday of every month between the hours of 7 and 9 p.m. Please visit our Facebook page that is Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania. There you will find links to our YouTube channel and website.